This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Hey, thank you guys all for coming out on a Wednesday night. I'm with Pastor Solomon. I love Wednesday nights. I don't know, it feels like there's, there's just no obligation to be here. You guys want to be here tonight. You want to worship and praise God and hear his word. And so I applaud you for being here. And I believe God has a message specifically for you tonight. So if you need a Bible, I've got several scriptures that I'm gonna show you tonight. And it's great when you get to look and see those in the word yourself. So just lift up your hands and our awesome team of ushers will get a Bible in your hands if you didn't bring one with you today. Once you get your Bible, you can turn to the book of Exodus and we're gonna be in chapter 32. Before we get started though, I do wanna mention that at Faith Church, we have multiple ways that you can give into the house. You can always give online, faithchurchlubbock.com. You can always give by texting. You just text whatever amount you'd like to give to the number 84321. And then of course you can use those, those red envelopes in the seat pockets in front of you and give by cash or check or credit card and then drop those in the offering boxes on the way out. And I just wanna say, Thank you so much to those of you who faithfully and obediently serve into the house at Faith Church. You are doing great things and this church is able to give out to other ministries because of your giving into this house. And so I pray God's blessing over you as tithers. So if you would, before we start the message, I I wanna pray and I just wanna ask the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to each one of our hearts individually. So Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you for this word. Thank you for your word that your word is living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, we pray that your word tonight would pierce through the hardness of our hearts and that you would teach us your character and your nature. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Pastor Stormy has been talking for many, many weeks in a series called Idols, and sometimes he calls it Counterfeits. And we has been talking about those idols, those things that take the place that only God is supposed to take. Those idols that something that fulfills a need that only God is supposed to fill in your heart. And if you think of probably the most famous idol story in the Bible, most of us would think the story of the golden calf. And so I want to take us there tonight and I want to look a little bit deeper into the story of the golden calf. So you're going to the book of Exodus chapter 32, and we're going to start in verse 1. Now, just to set this up a little bit, the children of Israel had the same opportunity that Moses had to go and talk with the Lord. God invited all of the Israelites to talk with him. And the rest of the Israelites said, you know what, actually, we're kind of good just staying in our tents. And so Moses, you go talk to God, and then you come back and tell us what he said. How does that sound? And so I believe the Israelites really missed out an opportunity to form this personal connection with God. So Moses is up on top of Mount Sinai and he's talking with God. He's communicating with God. God is giving him the law, teaching Moses how he wants the Israelites to live. And then this is what happens back at the Israelite camp. Exodus 32, verse one. It says, when the, Israelite, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, They gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. And almost, you can hear their tone, and it's kind of funny that they're like, he's been up there like what, I don't know, 30-something days? Who knows what even happened to him? Tell you what, Aaron, you make us some new gods, and we're going to follow them. So you know what happened to the Israelites? They got impatient waiting for the promises of God. 
See, they were told to wait there and that Moses would come back down with instructions from God and they didn't wanna wait. They didn't wanna wait for the God who had actually brought them out of Egypt. They wanted to make something out of their own hands, out of the gold that they took out of their, their jewelry and worship that and bow down to that. So they didn't patiently wait on God and what his direction was. They sought their own way, their own direction. Skip down to verse seven. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. And I love that. The Israelites are clearly God's people, but he's like, I'm not even claiming them right now. Those are your people, Moses. And verse eight, he says, they've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. He says, now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. And so the people that the Lord brought out of Egypt so that they could worship him, so that he could make them into a great nation, In his anger, he decides, I'm just gonna destroy them all. But he looks at Moses and he said, but out of you, out of you, I can make a great nation. Now, if you know the rest of the story, Moses pleads with God and and the Lord doesn't end up destroying the Israelites. But I thought it's interesting that he looks at Moses and he said, I can't do anything with these guys, but out of you, out of you, I can make a great nation. And I wonder what was the difference between Moses and the Israelites? And in the context of this story in Exodus 32, it's that Moses was willing to patiently wait for the instruction of the Lord. Moses wanted a personal relationship with God, whereas the rest of the Israelites, they just wanted to know about God. They said, Moses, just tell us what he said, and that's good enough. But Moses wanted the presence of God. Moses wanted to be with God. Moses wanted to climb the mountain, however hard it was, however long it took him, and he wanted to hear the voice of God directly. Moses was willing to do what God instructed him to do and not look at other things around him to satisfy him. And so a question that we can ask ourselves tonight is, what do I look to to satisfy me or to fulfill me whenever life begins to squeeze? Because for all of us, life squeezes us at times. And you've probably experienced a squeezing in the last week and maybe it's something financial, or maybe it's something in your health, maybe it's bad news from a family member. There could be so many different things that we could mention. But where do you turn when life squeezes? And for many of us, when life gets hard, the very first thing we do is we pick up that phone and we call mom or dad. We call grandma or whoever may be close to you. Maybe you you pick up that phone and you start texting your best friend. You'll never believe what happened, this, 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 and this. You know, for some of us, we we kinda self-medicate and maybe you turn to something like cigarettes or, or drugs or alcohol, something to, to numb the pain, take the edge off. If some of us, we, we, get, we want to get lost in, in our favorite book. Or I just wanna sit and, and think of nothing and so I, I immediately turn to TV or social media or, or video games. See, there's all of these things that we can medicate ourselves with and these things may not be inherently sinful, but when they take the place of God, to fulfill a need in your life, then those things become an idol. Just like the children of Israel, they needed somebody to give them direction. They needed somebody to tell them where to go, but they looked to the wrong thing. And so I have to ask myself, and you have to ask yourself, 
Are we looking to the right thing? Are we looking to the creator? Are we looking to the one who knows the beginning from the end? Or are we looking to other things to sustain us, to give us direction, to, to, to heal the brokenness inside of our hearts? And I want you to turn to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 17. And this is a story of King David. And you remember the Bible says that, that King David was a man after God's own heart. Now I wanna explain what's happened up to this point. So you know that, that David, of course, he, he killed Goliath. And then he began to serve in King Saul's palace, right? And then King Saul turned against him. And then for a long time, King Saul was chasing David and, and trying to kill him. And so David knows that he's the anointed king of Israel, but he's being chased and tried to be murdered by King Saul. But he still honored King Saul. And so at this point in David's life, a lot of things are actually happening. He has just become the king of Israel. Saul, his predecessor, has just taken his own life. David has, has just moved in to the palace. I can only imagine like moving from one house to the other house is tough enough, but moving into a whole palace with however many wives he had, five or six or something, and all those kids, this is gonna take a while. And then David moves into the palace, and then he decides, I wanna bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. And so he makes this plan and they bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel, but one of David's men disrespectfully reaches out when the Ark was falling and he touches the Ark and the Lord strikes David's man dead. And David became angry with God. David said, well, how could you do this? And David was angry for a while. Well then, David's heart was healed and, and he wants to bring the Ark back into Israel once again. And so, he brings it in with celebration and they minister before the Lord. He throws this huge party and there's dancing and all these things. And, and then David's wife says, you're the king. Why are you dancing? You look like an idiot out there. And he has to say, I'll, I'll be even more undignified than this. Basically, I love Jesus so much I can't help myself. And so he's going through all of these things. There's all these things happening in his life. Then as he moves into the palace, he thinks, wait a second, I'm living in a palace and the ark of, of the Lord is dwelling in a tent. And so he says, I wanna build a palace for my God. And so he starts to work on this temple, he starts to figure out the plans, and then God comes to him through the prophet Nathan and he says, David, you know, thank you, that's a nice idea, but I don't want you to build a temple for me, I want somebody else to do it. I want your son to do it after you're gone. And so David goes through not only all of this busyness of life, but he's got all of these emotions and I wanna show you the way that David responded to all of this that happened in his life. Look in 1 Chronicles 17, and we're gonna go to verse 16. It says, then King David went in and sat before the Lord. And he said, who am I, Lord God, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? You see, David's response to busyness and emotional turmoil and hurt and pain and even anger with God. His response was to go in and to sit with God and to say, God, I'm not even worth all that you've done for me. Thank you for bringing me this far. He recognized that it was God who was leading him and who was guiding him. See, King David had the exact opposite response that the children of Israel did. Whenever he needed direction, whenever he needed somebody to sustain him, he looked to God where the children of Israel look to other things. And so if you're taking notes tonight, the title of the message is Sit With God. It's so important that we learn, just like David did, 
to sit with God, to speak with God and to allow God to speak with us, to take time out of our busy, hectic, crazy schedules and to sit and be with Jesus. You see, right now in our world, this is the busiest society that has ever existed. Not only are we constantly busy doing things like work, bringing kids to soccer practice and band practice and cheer practice, and we've got games to go to with our kids, and and we have grandma's got to get to the doctor this evening, and all of these things. And then on top of that, we add, then we've got to make sure we're scrolling on social media so that we keep up with all of our family in these other areas of the world. And there's just so much that's vying for our attention right now. But I believe we have a speaking God but we have to tune our hearts and our ears to his frequency. And his frequency, we're gonna find out what that is tonight. And so turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 27. King David learns the art of going in and sitting with God, resting in God's presence, and just being with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And this is a Psalm that King David wrote. In Psalm 27, we're gonna start in verse four. King David says, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most. Now let's stop right there. And let's just say that God came to you and said, I will grant you one thing. What's the one thing you want? What is the thing that you seek most in your life? And of course, we're all in church, so every one of us is gonna give the Sunday school answer. I want you, Jesus. But if you actually had the opportunity to have anything that you wanted, what would you say? What is your one thing? And I think that there's many times in all of our lives where we could say, you know what? I don't know that my one thing would be Jesus. But here's what King David said. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. You know what he just said? The one thing I want, God, is just to be with you. The one thing I want is to sit with you and think about you and talk about you and, and, and understand how good you are. That's the thing that I want. And then in verse five, David says, for he will conceal me there when trouble comes. He will hide me in a sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. And then verse eight, probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible. He says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. You see, David is speaking as a man with confidence in who God is. There's not an ounce of anxiety in his voice right here in his tone. He doesn't wonder if God will save him. He doesn't wonder if things are gonna turn out. He is confident because he has spent time sitting with God and God has shown him that he has placed David up on a rock that his enemies can't touch him. And David says, my heart has heard you say, God, come and talk with me. God is calling each and every one of us to have a relationship with him, to come and to talk with him, to sit with him, and to be with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But has your heart responded, yes, Lord, I'm coming? Or like many times in my life, it's, okay, God, maybe tomorrow, because actually right now I'm I'm busy. Or do you hear the the voice of the Lord calling you and you're thinking, okay, actually, God, I was about to head to sleep, and if I don't get my beauty sleep, I'm gonna be a mess tomorrow. 
When you hear the voice of the Lord saying, come and talk with me, let's let our response be, yes, Lord, I am coming. Turn all the way to Revelation, the very last book in the Bible, and we're gonna be in chapter three. So this is how we judge ourselves tonight. If we had the opportunity to ask one thing of God, what would it be? Would it be like David, that I just wanna be with you, God? That's really the one thing that I want. And if you heard the voice of the Lord speaking, come and talk with me. Has your heart responded and been soft and said, yes, Lord, I'm coming. This is an amazing passage in Revelation. It's in chapter three. We're gonna read verse 20. And if you have a Bible with red letters in it, these are red letter words. These are words that Jesus himself says. And in Revelation three, verse 20, Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. This invitation is so incredible that not only our creator, our sustainer, but the one who gave his life for us so that we could have a relationship with God says, hey, I'm knocking at your heart. I'm knocking at the door. And if you'll just open it, and if you'll just let me in, then I will come in with you and I will sit with you and I will eat with you and I will talk with you and we will have this meal together face to face. You know, my, my wife's family and my family are very different. And if you know our families, you, you understand this. I grew up in a family of mostly all boys. There's nine kids in my family. Eight of us are boys. There's only one, I have one sister. My wife grew up in a family where there was only two kids and they were sisters. And so at dinner in my family, it was crazy. I mean, you would have people, you know, 10 different conversations happening all at the same time. You're like, mom, pass a roll. And instead of passing the plate from one person to the next, way easier just to pick the roll up and throw it. You're like, I need the butter too. And the butter comes, the lid flies off, butter's all over the table. You're like, dad, pass me a knife. No, wait, never mind, I'll come get it. I mean, our family was crazy. I mean, there's, there's things happening all the time, noise happening all the time. And my wife's family was very proper. And they would say, honey, please pass the rolls. Yes, dear. And they would get the rolls and uncover it with the blanket they had put over them and pass the rolls to the next person. And so when we started getting together, we started hanging out together, it was weird for me to eat with them and it was weird for her to eat with us because we're not used to this. They could have really nice, deep conversations at their house. At our house, you were lucky if the person sitting next to you could hear you, right? And so when my wife and I got married, I had to learn some things because we sat down at the table at our apartment together and it's just the two of us and I can hear like every time her teeth crunch the little whatever food we were eating and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not right. Like we've gotta have noise here. I need to invite my brothers over so they can be yelling while we're eating. I mean, I had to turn music on. That was finally my compromise. I was like, it can't be this quiet. There's no way this is natural. So we had to turn the music on. But you know what, after a while, we were married for a while, I started to actually enjoy being able to hear the person sitting across the table from me and I could have a conversation with her. And I think this is kind of like what the Lord means here. It's not like eating at my family. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying he wants to throw rolls at us and yell across the table. It's this intimate setting where it's just Jesus and me and we're sitting across the table from each other and we're listening to each other and we're talking with each other it's an intimate connection. You know, now that, that my wife and I have children, 
now we really appreciate the silence because if I try to look across the table and talk to her, it's like, hey, babe, how was your day? Daddy, I got to go to the bathroom. Daddy, I need more ketchup. Daddy, you didn't give me a fork. Where's my apple juice? And um, forget it. I'll talk to you after they go to bed. But when we get a chance, when somebody watches our kids for us, it's the greatest blessing in history, and we get to go and just sit down somewhere and look at each other and talk, it's like, yes, there's this connection, right? And that's what this is talking about, that Jesus wants to sit with us and eat with us and have a conversation with us, but it takes us getting away, and it takes us throwing off the distractions. You know, how many of us are like this? Okay, I'll sit at the table and talk with you, Jesus. Yeah, your day was, oh my goodness, she did not do that to her hair. You, no way. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, and yeah, king of kings, lord of all, just a second. Okay, yeah, no, I'll be there at three. Three didn't, okay, no, hold on, I gotta get, okay, no, yeah. I mean, you get the idea that, that we let something distract us when we've gone in and, to sit with Jesus. And we've gone in to talk with Jesus. And I don't know how many times, and it, you know, I tell myself, well, I've got the Bible on my phone, so I'll just set it right here face up while I'm praying, dear God, and then the screen lights up, and you're like, thank you for the... Oh, the Pacers won. You know, we gotta get away from the distractions. We've gotta find a way to, to take away the distractions to where nothing else is taking our attention except the God of the universe sitting right in front of us. We would open up the door to our hearts and close whatever door's behind us so that we're face to face with Jesus. And I'm not gonna turn there, but in the book of Matthew chapter six, Jesus talks about the Lord's prayer. And he says, he's teaching us how to pray. And we all know the Lord's Prayer, whether you learned it in you know, the old King James Version or whatever version you know, most of us know at least an idea of the Lord's Prayer. But did you know that right before the Lord's Prayer, Jesus actually told us how to pray. And he says, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door behind you and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then it says, and your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. But do you see that, that close the door? Keep the distractions out. When you go in to sit with God, don't take things with you that are gonna take your focus off of him. And in, in the book of Mark, chapter one, verse 35, you can write that down, I'm not gonna turn there either. But this, we see Jesus doing something in this passage that we see him doing a lot all through scripture. And it says that, that Jesus got up early in the morning, the Bible says, before the sun came out, and he went to, to a place of solitude and he prayed. Jesus went before anyone else was even awake. He knew that would be the time because once everybody woke up, all the disciples were always asking him for things, you know. Hey, Jesus, which one of us is gonna be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so he had to get alone where he could be with just him and God. And I believe that it's in those moments where it was just Jesus and God, that's when he got his strength for the day. That's when he got the instruction. His father would tell him his will, his plan, his desires. And God wants to speak to you in the same way, but are you willing, am I willing, to take a step away from everything, to get alone by myself, to close the door behind me, to keep away the distractions, and just to sit with God? See, a lot of us, like I was when I first got married to my wife, were uncomfortable with silence. And if you grew up in a large family or a noisy family or, or anything like that, you may be completely uncomfortable with the quiet. But it's in the stillness that God speaks to us. You know, the, the song that we just sang, the last song, I, I love that song. And the verse of that song, we didn't sing it, but it says, in the secret, in the quiet place, 
in the stillness you were there. And that's exactly the call of God for us tonight, that we need to get to the secret place, to the quiet place, and let God speak to us in the stillness. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter seven. This is the very end of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. This was Jesus' first teaching, and it's three chapters long, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. And he's teaching a big crowd of people, and this is the way that he chose to end his Sermon on the Mount. And I would think, you know, the ending of a thing, you would make sure it had a lot of punch. It was really important. And so we're going to start in verse 21. Matthew 7, verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, this is Jesus talking, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So what, what was the difference? It wasn't what they did. It wasn't the work they did, it wasn't the ministry they did. They said, God, we did all these things for you. But he says, I never knew you. God wants to know you. And how do you get to know somebody? You sit with them, and you talk with them, and you listen to them, and you learn what they're all about, and you learn what makes their heart beat, and you learn what makes them tick, and you learn the things that make them angry, and and you get to know them through communication. So how can we get to know Jesus if we never take the time to sit with him? One interesting thing about this, if you look at the next section, my Bible calls the next section the wise and foolish builders. And you may have sang this song in Sunday school if you've been in church your whole life. You know, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And we, we know this story. But did you know that when the Bible was written, it was not written with chapter and verses, and it was not written with those titles that you see above each section. And look at the very first word in Matthew uh, 7, verse 24. It says, therefore. Therefore means because of what I just said. And so we read that God says, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And so then verse 24 says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And so how do we build our house on the rock? We know Jesus, and we sit with him, and we let him shape and mold our lives. So there's three reasons. You're like, it's 7.54, and this guy's just getting to point number one. It's okay, I'm gonna go fast. There's three reasons why we need to sit with God. Three things that we wanna do while we're sitting with him, and the very first one is that we wanna sit to listen. Turn just a couple of books over to the book of Luke, chapter 10. We want to sit with God to listen to him. Most of you know this story. Pastor talks about this story pretty often. And in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So you know the story. Martha was distracted by the preparations she had made, and so she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. 
By the way, this is exactly the same thing that my six-year-old says all the time, so I don't know how old Martha was, but. And then Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you were worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And so Jesus almost mirrors the words of King David in Psalm 27 that he said, the one thing I ask of the Lord. And Jesus says, one thing is needed. And it's what Mary chose to do. Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. So we need to sit to listen. The second thing we need to do is sit to release. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 11. When we sit with God, we get the opportunity to release our burdens to him. And I don't know if you've ever carried a burden for a long time, but it can weigh on you emotionally and spiritually and even physically. You can look at somebody in the eyes and, and know that they're carrying a heavy weight sometimes. But in the book of Matthew chapter 11, in verse 28, Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Have you ever carried a heavy bag or something heavy for a long time, like groceries? I'm the type of guy that I don't wanna take two trips from my car to my kitchen because it's so far to walk, I guess, I don't know. And so I get all the bags and they're like you know, on my arms and I'm carrying both of them. And when I get to the end of the kitchen counter, it's like I've given it everything I've got and I set those bags down and that feeling of ah, the weight's off. I believe that's what he's talking about. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What an invitation that Jesus says, just come, come to me. He's knocking at the door to your heart anyways and that dinner conversation that you're having with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, release your burdens to him. And I remember at the, at the very beginning of, of covid in 2020, we had this board in the office at the church. And every time somebody from the church would call and tell us, hey, I've, I've been diagnosed with COVID and I'll be out for two weeks, we'd write their name on the board. And I remember looking up at that board and seeing so many names. And we were praying for all of you all the time, praying for your family members. And then we would write prayer requests up at people who had lost family members and I remember my, my heart began to be so burdened. And as I prayed for people, it's almost like I, I would take their burdens on. I would take their pain on. And I remember the Lord reminding me of this verse and saying, you can have a burden to pray for them, but once you bring that to me, you have to let me take it. We weren't designed to carry the burden. And so many times we, we take our huge heavy bags and we bring them to the altar and we're like, Jesus, I can't carry this anymore. I'm setting it at your feet. And then we say, okay, well, we'll see you next week. And we pick our burden back up and we carry it with us. But the invitation is that we release it to him. And the Lord had to teach me that in prayer, I'm to release those burdens to him and not pick them back up. So we sit with God so that we have an opportunity to release the burdens to him. And the last reason we need to sit with God is that we need to sit with him for strength. How many of you guys need strength to go to your day-to-day -day lives? Strength to raise your kids, strength to be a good husband or a good wife, strength to be a good teacher, strength to be good at whatever you're called to do in your lives. You need strength just to carry on. And in the book of Isaiah chapter 40, I'm gonna go ahead and read it. 
in verse 28, Isaiah says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so what's the qualification that we receive that strength to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint? It's that we wait on the Lord. And the children of Israel turn to an idol instead of waiting on the Lord. We need to wait on the Lord. We need to sit with him and wait for his strength. And this is a daily process. We need to sit with the Lord every day. And I found in my own life that I won't sit with the Lord unless I make an appointment with him. And so my appointment to sit with God is in the morning before my wife and my kids wake up. Your appointment with the Lord might be in the evening after everybody else has gone to bed. Or maybe you live alone and you get to have an appointment with God, you know, really anytime. I remember when I was teaching school, one of my appointments with God was that I would take half of my lunch break and pray every day. But you need to have an appointment with God. You need to keep it. And you need to sit and let him strengthen you. You need to release your burdens to him. And you need to, to listen to him. He's speaking to you. He wants to tell you which job to take. He wants to tell you whether to move or not. He wants to tell you whether to keep your kids in this school or put them in this one. But we have to take time to sit with God and to listen. And so I challenge you before you leave this place, make a commitment tonight to God. That God, every day, I'm going to sit with you. And you know what, when you start off, it might be five minutes. And you might say, that's, that's all the quiet I can take. But make an appointment with God and keep it. You, you have some homework tonight. I was gonna read Psalms 46 to you and it's a really good Psalm. It's one of the things that got me through some of the hardest times in my life, Psalm 46. Verse 10 of Psalms 46 says that God has said, be still and know that I am God. He's our fortress. He's our strength. He's our stronghold. And too many times we get thinking about all the craziness that's happening in our world right now and, and our minds can start to run rampant and we're like apocalypse planning and, and doing all of these things to prepare for the very worst when, when God's just calling us to be still. Just sit with me, he says. Know that I'm God. Trust in my plan. Listen to my voice and act in obedience on what you hear. So be still. Be quiet. Get in a place of solitude. Close the door behind you and sit with God. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for your word that you have instructed us. And it's so clear all over your word that we have a call to be still, to be quiet, to get alone, and to get with you, God. Lord, would you teach us, especially those of us who, who this is a struggle to be still and quiet, help us to take time every single day to sit with you, God. And Lord, as you knock on the door to our hearts tonight, I pray every single person in this room would open the door, would let you in, and would open that conversation with you. We love you and we thank you that you're a good God, you're worthy of our praise, in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.